the shearing shed, an iconic part of the Australian agricultural landscape that for many wool growers represents their favourite time of year on the farm. These corrugated iron constructions have been shearing sheep across Australia for decades, some even for centuries and with 120 stands, reminding us of a time when the Australian economy rode on the sheep's back. You're listening to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. While we may not have the national sheep numbers anymore to need a 120-stand shed, sheep have certainly got a whole lot bigger, and as technology and research has provided alternatives to safer and more efficient shed environments, there has been an increasing amount of interest from Australian wool growers to look to build a new shearing shed or upgrade an existing one. At Yathonga Station between Louth and Tilpa in New South Wales, Wool growers Stuart and Gabby Laleva are such wool growers who've taken this plunge and built a new shed. It's designed based off the work done in AWI's shearing shed design project. But why build a shed? What are the benefits of the new design? And where do you even start the planning process? AWI's Henry Ridge caught up with Stuart after their first shearing in the new shearing shed to ask exactly that. Wool grower Stuart Laleva is currently shearing and they've just finished this morning. To kick off, we'd tell us a bit about yourself and the operation and, and yeah, your Thonga station here. Um, we're probably uh, fifth generation graziers on uh, between Louth and Tilpa. We run a self-replacing merino flock and a few cattle. And um, after the last couple of years, we're um, obviously lacking in a few numbers. Yeah, it's been a tough season. And there's, there is a bit of feed here ahead of us and it must be a good feeling putting those you know, used through the new shed and out onto green feed a lot different to 12 months ago. Yeah, well, 12 months ago we had an old clapped out shed and no food, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's, uh, it was a really easy job this time. Yeah, definitely. And so the season here, numbers are down, you're down to your core use. Are you going to bring in stock out? Is it a name to get back up to where you were? No, we won't, um, we won't import any, any, um, any stock. We'll self-replace them. Fingers crossed we had a couple of years and we, you know, we might be back in business again. Sure. So we're sitting on the lawn out the front of your house on the banks of the Darling. Tell us a bit about your thonga and the, the country that we've got here and things like that. Uh, well, your thonga's predominantly red country. It's probably 80% red country and 20% black country. Uh, there's about 100,000 acres all up in it all. As far as stock go, we've got a laneway, your thonga itself, that uh, feeds most of the paddock, so it's pretty easy walking stock out. Going back towards Tilpa, it's about 20 k's to uh, where you know, where we've got um, you know, the last block of country. And going back towards Louth, it's about uh, 15 k's. So, but mostly it's pretty easy walking. It's, you know, as I said, we've got no sheep hanging around us now. It's all been taken back. And you've got plenty of hands on deck with a few boys home with coronavirus and things, having them home, so that's handy. Yeah, it's handy, you're right, but it seems to be interrupting their schoolwork a bit, but anyway... <laughs> Yeah. Now, onto the shed. It is unique. It's built off the design that was put together by AWI. had a working group of shed staff and they prototyped and trialled and tweaked the design and it was then built by uh, Hilton Barrett, who was involved in the whole process. We'll go at Dubbo. Uh, some of our listeners might have might have heard of this project or, or even attended one of the two open days. But I think a, a good place to start, Stuart, might be with the process you went about you lost your shed and you, you needed to build on. What was the process you went into from there? I saw an article in the land actually in relation to the, you know, the AWI's involvement in the research and development and the subsequent building of a prototype which Hilton Barrett uh, built in Dubbo. 
So we went down. We didn't go down to the open days. We actually went down, and um, and Hilton took us through it. And we then had a look at it, and we both, Gavin and I, thought, Jesus, you know, like, this has got to be a hell of a lot better than, you know, some of the other stuff we've looked at. You know, it's got to be a lot safer for the staff to work in. And, um, and obviously it gave us a chance to, you know, build a set of yards to, to go with that to complement it all. So that was the starting process. We then we went and had a look at um, a shed uh, that was being built by uh, Stephen Kiss. Um, Jason McGaw was uh, doing the fitting on it all. And, and um, basically from there I spoke to Jason after that and irritated Hilton a fair bit. So, and we came up with what, um, you know, what Henry's seen today. So a fair process of talking to people and, and getting other people's opinion. It's obviously a large investment. Uh, that's quite important, isn't it? Having oh, a look around. Yeah, look, I've always been, uh, if we want this industry to survive, you've got to start putting a bit back into it. And, um, and the AWI have spent some really good, smart money doing it. And I, uh, if anybody thinks differently, I think they need to have a real good look at the, you know, what they're doing because we have to put our two bobs worth in and we have to make it more efficient. Um, we have to make it safer for the people that work in. We've got to make it safer for us out in the yards too. So. <laughs> Sit down. And why this design? You said that your wife, Gabby, and you were taken aback and thought it fitted what you were looking for. Everyone has a criteria, I guess, when they, they go into something like this. And what was it about this shed that struck your eye and took you notice? Over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about liability, you know, worker safety, um, injuries, longe- longevity in the, in the shearing industry. And um, the old shed that we had was a disaster waiting to happen. So whatever we put up had to go and start ticking a few boxes in relation to that. And when we got it explained to us um, by not only with Hilton but uh, Don McDonnell and, you know, and a few other others and Andrew Morrison, our shearing contractor, and, and a few other contractors and people I spoke to in the shearing industry, they pointed out, you know, where the big ticket areas were and, and we found that this design, particular design, covered those big ticket areas. And that's the, our main reason why we went. Uh, and also we need to make sure that, you know, the generation after, you know, after me that takes over, they've got something, you know, a foundation to work from. And having a you know decent decent office, right, a functional office, is absolutely critical. Mm. And so safety, obviously, a key feature, and and yeah, there's plenty in the shed that lends itself to that. You've seen the shed working now for, at home for for the best part of your shearing. And what are the the design features that take your interest most, and you see the most benefit in? Firstly, is the it's the efficiency of the of, of the shed. Not only those shearing who went from probably uh, 900 a day with six stands and, you know, the old shed to at least 1,050. And, and, uh, and to, um, to say they were cruising was probably an understatement. And, and they appreciated it, you know, at the end of the day, they just went bent over and, and buckled up, you know, weren't fresh as a daisy by any means, but they knew they'd been there. Mm. But it was just really efficient. The shed staff, they weren't tripping over, they were happy. They weren't tripping over themselves. Um, you know, the shed was clean, they were able to keep it clean. Our know, wool preparation was... Um, was was you know, it was really good because of that. So you put all those things together, and you've got a really efficient, cost-effective uh, method of you know of shearing. Yeah, it goes right through the shed. And I know when we were looking at this design, we sort of took on the criteria of people, sheep, and wool, and looking at those in sense of the flow and efficiency, and then the welfare and the quality. You know, and you've mentioned all of those in in what you've noticed in the shed here today or this week. Yeah, and not only that, as far as uh, stock husbandry goes, and you know, I'm a firm believer that you know, the less time you've got stock in the yard, the better off they are. They're better off out in the paddock doing what they do best. And having something where you can, well, basically you're jumping up 10 or 12% in numbers without 
and the quality of the job is uh, just is better than what it was in the old shed, and, and not only with the you know the way they shore, but also with the wool preparation and all that sort of stuff. And there, there can be no losers in it. You know, it's to the benefit of everybody. Um, and any degree of luck when their wool goes down there, you know, you're contaminant free, and you know, and and um, you know, and the list goes on. Yeah, animal husbandry is you know becoming more important, and and so it should be. It's it is very important. I didn't notice a dog in the shed. Um, dogs were used every now and again, not very often. There's an area that we tied, you know, the you know, dogs up, you know, when they're not in use, but very rarely did was there a dog went in there when it was needed. They used them, but yeah, it ran pretty yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. In this project, uh, there's been you know, the shed I built at Dubbo, and out the back of all of that, there's been a lot of discussion on raised and flat boards because the shed that Hilton built is is a flat board. And, you know, myself, as a learning through through that project, I went into it, I guess, knowing none the better. And I guess I would have presumed that a raised board would be uh, the best way to go. But I think, you know, having been involved with the project now, I know there is different opinions, but I'd like to hear your take on it all. You know, from when you started looking at sheds and you've landed now with the flat board, what, what your take on it all was? It didn't take all that long to make up in mind what sort of board it was going to be because the research and the development that had gone into the setup that we, we've got now uh, was pretty cut and dry. Now, one of the you know, couple of issues with the raised board was that, firstly, um, the sheep have got bigger. Um, therefore, the shearers were taking them further back in, in case they fell over the side, which I actually had a bit of a giggle to myself, and um, I think Hilton put me straight, and he said, you would be surprised how much how often this happens, which I did follow up by talking to a couple of uh, shearing contractors, and oh, yeah, it's a, it's a real issue. And because the shearers are kicking the sheep back towards the chute, further back, you know, t- towards the catching pens, that means the rousies can't do their job. And they get, you know, you know and the wool preparation then, then becomes an issue. So the, at the end of the day, it was a no-brainer. Um, the only thing that the rousies have got to do instead of on a raised board, that they've got to do on this flat board, they've got to bend their knees when they pick up a fleece. And that then becomes a contractor's issue about training his staff the right way. I asked Hilton at the open day what he what he would do differently, and there was you know things with emergency stop buttons he would put in at each stand and continue the tongue and groove not uh, from the board right through the wool room, and uh, potentially have a look at the shoots and ways of slowing the sheep down there. Um, what what about yourself, Stuart? What what would you do differently now, or or the process perhaps not not so much the design, just looking back on it all, what would you do differently? Uh, to be honest with you, uh, Henry, probably nothing. It's just look, nothing major. There's a few cosmetic things which you've, you know, you've picked, um, you've brought to our attention. Um, you know, we've added a few things that made it. The shoots. Um, look, I'm, the jury's still out in them. Um, I know I spoke to you about we've got a few things in mind if we need to do, if we need to do them. But um, as a rule, if the, if, um, the shearers are pushing them down the chute the right way, they will land on their feet and there's not an issue. And that's what we found uh, with this shearing. Uh, it took them a while to get used to those shoots because they're used to real narrow and they've got to force the sheep down it. Uh, and this one, they basically, once they, uh, they finish the sheep, well, his head right down the middle of it anyway. And all they do is give him a bit of a push and he's right. Yeah, so for our listeners that, that might not have seen this, um, there's plenty of resources on AWI's website, www.wool.com forward slash shed design. And if you haven't seen it, basically the shearer it has a straight drag to their shearing station and when they're done the chute is easily accessed it's wide and in the position where they finish so the idea was to to end up with the sheep's front feet falling in there when they were done but 
you had to move the, the down shoot bit back towards the chute after you started, Stuart. Yeah, that's correct. We moved it probably four or five inches from where originally it was set up. And um, it's hard to believe, but you know, without seeing it, that actually the difference that it made. The um, blokes on the on the bog eye actually, you know, said it's just incredible. And it made their job a lot easier. As I said, it just made the whole lot a lot more efficient. Feedback from the shed stuff. If we start in the yards, then move to the shearers, and then through the wool process, what was the the feedback from them? Uh, the penning up process. There's a system that needs to be done with what, what we've got. There's a couple of ideas we've got to maybe improve that, and I'll just have to think about that a little bit bit more. As far as the shed staff go, I've spoken to them all personally, all the Rouseys and you know the Classer, Presser, uh, and all the shearers, and um, and they were really really happy with the board. They enjoyed working there. Um, at the end of the day, they were all happy. You know, they weren't cranky because they'd been cramped for room or tripping over each other or whatever. It just the whole thing just worked really well. That's good to hear. COVID-19's easing up now, restrictions are easing and people are going back to the offices and you know, even Burke and the towns out here out west are picking up again and there's plenty more people in the towns. But there was social distancing and there was some practices in the shed that, you know, lended towards being able to do that. Well, that's right. Well, that shed complied with all that sort of stuff immediately because there's a couple of metres between stands for starters. And the amount of room you've got on the wall room allows the, the Rouseys or the, the shed staff to be able to, um, you know, be the metre and a half or whatever, and sometimes you know, more. So as far as that goes, it worked really well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for those that are looking at building a shed, whatever shed and design it might be, everyone's got their, their criteria, but if you had any advice for them or what would that be? Well, firstly, obviously do your homework, but don't go in with any preconceived ideas. It, it, you need... We can't continue to, to operate like we have been, you know, for the last 100 years. It just doesn't work anymore. And there's certain things that, you know, the governments and everything else are legislating to make sure that we do change our, how we do things. There is no such thing as a perfect shed or a perfect set of yards and everything else, but we can do a hell of a lot more by um, designing something that is a lot more worker-friendly and even stock-friendly and even friendly for the grazier or the sheep or the cocky. But please, no preconceived ideas. Just listen to all the stuff that's available and there's some pretty knowledgeable people out there can give you um, all sorts of advice. Put it all together, and you'll come up with a pretty good package. Yeah, definitely. And lots of one percenters through the through the whole shed, and it doesn't matter what it is as a whole. But if you can find little tweaks here and there, and it all adds up, and it's not just in the shed; it's also back of the quarters and the facilities, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's the whole job. And we found that uh, doing this one, which was number four that Jason McGore had fitted out. It made it a lot easier for him because he brought some ideas with him after a few blues made with the early ones. And um, then we had a bit of an idea of how we wanted something to work and so we put that to him. So that's all been put there. So whoever's doing the fifth or the sixth one, they should pick up more information as they go. And, they, and, and if you get the information before, you can improve even on what we've done and it'll make that job a lot better. Definitely. Hopefully soon enough, coronavirus and the restrictions that come with it will be behind us. Uh, it's affected, you know, your shearing here with social distancing and it's playing out in, in the global markets now and it's affecting the wool industry. But it won't be here forever. Um, your shed will be here for future generations. Well, hopefully it's not here forever, but how do you feel about the future of the industry and what's your take on that? Oh, look, um, Henry, it'll bounce back. There's, you know, we've had all these little hiccups before. We've been in worse, worse situations than this. Um, if we get a reasonable run of seasons, there's no numbers around. Um, so, in the you know, the wool market will pick up. It's just a, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, a speed bump or, you know, 
It clapped out roundabout for want of a word, but whatever it is, it'll bounce back. Let's hope so. Well, uh, Stuart, thanks for your time on, on the yarn, and uh, we appreciate it, and uh, let's hope there's many more good shearings here to come. There will be. Don't worry about that. There will be plenty more to come. And for more resources on shed design, including some wool grower case studies, head to wool.com forward slash shed design. While we're on the topic of shearing, there has been some fantastic shearing schools and improver workshops happening right across wool growing regions of Australia, with more to come. So a few details on those. There's currently a two-week novice AWI shearing school running in Esperance in Western Australia. AWI recently held some improver workshops for shearers and wool handlers in New South Wales. One of them was at Tawonga Merino and Pole Merino Stud in Peak Hill and another one at Arrow Park near Dubbo. But across the country, there's several more AWI shearing schools planned for July. There'll be one in Tasmania, two in New South Wales, several in Victoria and two in South Australia. And additionally for the Queenslanders, we're working with DAF in Queensland and leading sheep for a one-week novice school in Winton to improve training in central Queensland, especially with a lot of growers returning to sheep and wool enterprises there in the last year or two. These workshops have proven quite successful with the Saturday training. The training's free and look, we recognise that Saturdays are your days off. So it's a full program with the best trainers in the country. No time wasted here. And the feedback so far has been really good. So if you're interested or you have a mate that might be, give Craig French, our shearing program manager at AWI, a call on 1-800-SHEARS to book a spot in an upcoming school or workshop. We'd love to see you there. Well, that's another episode of The Yarn Done and Dusted. Australian Wool Innovation is on Facebook and there's some photos from some of the recent shearing schools on there if you'd like to check it out. We're on Twitter at Wool Innovation and Instagram at Beyond the Bale. From me, Ellie Bigwood, thank you for your company and see you soon for another yarn.